This is 16 to 1, a podcast about education, teaching, and learning. about my least favorite thing as a teacher today and okay that's that? not true i hate it wait i don't hate a lot of things but i don't like dress codes dress codes i don't like enforcing them it's awkward it's difficult it's very subjective yes and it stresses me out greatly yes to all of the above uh, okay i'm done okay <laughs> goodbye goodbye who were you <laughs> can you tell us what your name was on your way out? i was katie okay i was chelsea <laughs> i still am i'm just stressed about dress codes again we're now very, that school is back in i have to be like diligent right we're very stressed about everything we're talking about <laughs> and what we're talking about is dress codes on 16 to 1 which is an education podcast so Onto the subject at hand. What? Okay, so you. Don't I think like this dress is important codes. because I just went back to school, so I'm in my seventh year of teaching. This uh, week. Yeah. This week. Your first day with kids was yesterday. It was right. I almost lost my voice, and I came home and took an immediate nap. Yeah. And that was it. That was my day. No, <laughs> I, I wanted that to be my day. Um, but so this is timely. It's relevant. Yeah. And it's constantly changing. And in my seven years, or just starting my seventh year, I guess, every single year we've had a discussion as a staff about dress codes. As a staff? For, like, staff dress <clears throat> codes or for student dress no, codes? No, no, no. Well, I mean, we have, like, a, a dress code, I suppose, within some... What is that? I, th- I think the staff dress code is just that we're supposed to look... <laughs> appropriate um (laughs) appropriate which is totally i would say i think for women it's that we can't wear sleeveless shirts wait a minute but this okay but this is the argument that our friend had last night women and that's a problem for me i I know but that's not this episode in general but also i don't think we can wear flip-flops if you're a woman i don't know if the men can either i don't feel like they would but you as a woman feel like... I'm not positive. Okay, I would just like to know. <laughs> I'll check and come back next Specifically week. Specifically? <laughs> Here's the, the thing. I'm not going codes. to wear something short or without sleeves. Okay. So it doesn't personally affect me, but that doesn't mean it's not fair um, for everyone that might want to. But anyways, can we talk about the students? Because I'm much more sure right. of this. Right. I do because it's so awkward. You don't like being subjected to dress codes. <laughs> you like talking about no. I wish that codes. my school was like here are five polos. Oh. Wear one every day of the week with whatever pants match it. I look awful in polos, so I would I'm not saying never it, want to wear those. Well, I don't care if a teenager thinks I'm cute. That's I'm like the opposite flat of what I'm doing in one dimension. So like a polo. I'm just saying, if the school gave me five colored shirts that were like school colored, then I wouldn't have to think about what I'm wearing every week. My laundry would be so easy. Mm -hmm. But then it would also be able, like, much easier to identify staff among students and outsiders. That's something I think about. True. Okay. So I'm not going for flattery. I'm going for comfort. No, no, that's okay. Okay, let's talk about students though. Okay, well, shall we talk about maybe the history of some dress codes? You can. Mm -hmm. I would love to talk about the history of dress codes for just a moment. 
Because it's a little bit weird. <laughs> it all, everything that I've been able to find on the subject goes back to 1222. <laughs> so, some rather ancient... There are so many debatable yeah. things. It's not really ancient, it's just what... Is 1222 medieval or is it pre-medieval? Or? I feel like that's pre-medieval. It's pretty early. So anyway, 1222, the Archbishop... It's not of, ancient? When is ancient? I don't know. Really old. Greek... I would, I would classify 1222 as pretty the, freaking The Greek old. stuff is what I think okay. I want to hear the word ancient, but I really honestly okay. don't Sorry, know. I was just... Greeks and Romans? I'm not sure. Let's ask some classic scholars sometimes. Uh, so 1222, <laughs> the Archbishop of Canterbury ordered... <laughs> Sorry, I have to stop laughing, but this is the most insane thing ever. The Archbishop of Canterbury ordered the wearing of the Kappa Clausa. I'm probably saying that incorrectly. I am not a Latin scholar. I'm only What just, is that? I, it's just some stuff that you have to wear. <laughs> I mean... You did not I, follow. <laughs> I didn't... I couldn't figure out what a Kappa Clausa exactly was, okay. but it's essentially like some... Probably some roby type stuff with like... I'm assuming it's black and dreary. Okay. Yeah, they weren't really dying clothes then. Probably. Oh, they were, but just the the poor's couldn't afford it. Well, sure. So, I guess I was going know. more for that angle. So after this twelve twenty two thing, we we fast forward to uh, <laughs> to later centuries. We just <laughs> skip right ahead to nineteen seventy two. No, we're not there yet. <laughs> so Eton Eton is a school in England. It's like some kind of like a prep school, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's hoity-toity. Where, so, th- yeah, students at Eton, fast forward a couple centuries, are required to wear black top hats <laughs> and tails <laughs> on and off campus. This had to be just males, right? I think Eton is a boys' school. Okay. I'm pretty sure. So they're required to wear top hats and tails on and off campus until 1972, when the dress codes began to be relaxed. That is so extra. I want to know what the relaxed version of top hats and tails looks like. Take off your hat. <laughs> You're only wearing <laughs> coattails on and off campus now. <laughs> Congratulations, Eton boys. Okay. So the U.S. has kind of always been you know, indebted to some of the curricular models in England and Europe generally. And so we're always kind of, you know, winking and nodding in that general direction across the Atlantic. Uh, Besides lacking completely in education compared to them. Ouch. I won't mention to anyone that you just said that, except to all of our listeners. Uh, So the way we kind of, we're, we're eventually getting to dress codes, but this is kind of about uniforms to begin with because... Dress codes took the form of uniforms for a long time, and they still do in some cases. Um, so the first U.S. public schools that were instituting uniform policies were in kind of my home area of Maryland and Washington, D.C., um, and they were uh, they were voluntary programs, but a lot of parents were supporting the idea, and a lot of students were buying into the program, and these uniform policies were kind of aimed at violence reduction, which is a strange angle, I think, for us to think about. Um, but mm-hmm. this can this kind of thing... That can go a couple ways, but I'll, yeah. I'll keep listening. So in 1987, um, there was this report in the New York Times talking about these things, and it was saying that most parents supported the idea and almost all students wore the uniforms. Um, these policies noted improvements in students' frame of mind, quote unquote, frame of mind. <laughs> hmm. 
And the university... <laughs> That's sharp, some education BS yeah, right yeah. there. <laughs> well, these, the, no, they say that these uniforms had sharply reduced discipline problems and had already reduced the preoccupation of students with extensive designer clothing for school wear and eased the financial burden that placed on the student's family. According to this report, the origin of the uniform policy in Baltimore, there's a school in Baltimore, Cherry Hill Elementary School, has been linked to a 1986 shooting in which a local public school student was wounded during a fight over a pair of $95 sunglasses. Mm. Ouch. So somebody's so, wearing really, really fancy sunglasses and they get Did it shot. say what their policy was? Uh, no, just that it's a like uniform. Like the standard, probably. I'm not Slacks. sure. I'm not sure what the uniform looks like. I got you. Uh, when I was, I used to work in some Baltimore city schools, and there were a lot of kids in khakis and blue. Polos. I mean, that's pretty standard. So you know, that's, yeah. that's not out of the ordinary. No. Um. So so this kind of frame of mind that uniforms had something to do with student well being and student violence reduction, uh, was very much in. in the public consciousness of the end of the 80s and the early to mid 90s. Um, we even have people such as the United States very own President Bill Clinton talking about this in the State of the Union, which is really Bill. interesting. Uh, yeah, we're going to go ahead and play some Bill for you. I challenge all our schools to teach character education, to teach good values and good citizenship. And if it means that teenagers will stop killing each other over designer jackets, then our public schools should be able to require their students to wear school uniforms. So there he is. What a man. <laughs> we were recording this and kind of thinking about how we really enjoyed it when presidents could be eloquent. <laughs> Even if Could we disagreed be. with them. So anyway, so so this is kind of where we are in the mid nineties. I don't think things have probably changed too terribly much from this Bill Clinton era of if it's gonna stop people mm, getting in trouble, let's sure. give them uniforms. So why don't we talk about some well, examples? Yeah, I think that's interesting because I feel like at my school the issues. I mean, there are definitely um, socioeconomic things happening mm -hmm. with dress codes mm -hmm. but it's it's more just like a hassle for us to enforce mm -hmm. because it's so difficult to get um to be like super clear i guess is what i'm saying mm -hmm. so i'm sure in some districts that could be the case but for things me that as seem like a obvious are actually arbitrary sure yeah so i being from southeastern Ohio, we don't have um, extraordinarily large school districts. Um, and even Columbus Public, which I'm going to talk about, is much, much smaller than uh, the largest ones in the United States. So I found some information from uh, the Los Angeles Unified School District, which serves over 600,000 people. Enormous. It's enormous. Kindergarten through 12th grade, over 1,000 schools. This is all from there. Uh, LAUSD website. So LAUSD, New York City Public Schools, Miami well, schools, those are some of the biggest. New York I tried to find, but it's yeah. difficult. If anyone is listening at New York Public Schools, maybe just like throw some money at the website. I worked uh, at a job that required me to use New York City Public Education's And that's websites. why you quit. I, I did. I, I, <laughs> I no longer work in that environment because i had to use the new york city schools website well i mean they service almost close to a million a million arguably students. i mean okay. the data is not precise but gotcha. it's very 
in and around that area. All right. So you were looking at policies for... I tried to find New, New York, York and I couldn't because it's the largest. I went, just went that direction mm-hmm. because I was curious about how they would handle dress codes. Right. But it New seems York to be on a school by school basis, mm-hmm. which is fine. But for Los Angeles, which is the second largest in the nation, they had at least um, a document that I was able to find through Belmont Senior High School that kind of broke down what uh, the LAUSD allows for schools to decide from as just a really rough framework. And then schools can go in from there mm-hmm. and be much more specific. I like this because it's so far from what I think happens in Southeastern Ohio as far as um, language. So it starts by saying that schools may adopt dress codes that are reasonably related to the health and safety of students and school dress codes and uniform policies must be implemented in a manner consistent with the rights set forth in the first amendment of the United States constitution. Oh, very nice. And very nice. section two of article one of the California constitution. Uh-huh. Um, this was consistent. Uh, and I'm sure this is true for New York city as well, but the California legislature has determined that gang apparel is hazardous to the health and safety of the school environment. Gang apparel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of their schools just have like a blanket statement. That's like nothing all red or nothing all blue. And why is that for the bloods and the crips? So Yikes. just so they can't identify as easily. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm sure they still are. Don't get me wrong. They're sure. teenagers, but they just try to cut down on these things. But this was my favorite part is that it says all dress codes must be gender neutral. Students cannot be disciplined or prevented from wearing attire that is commonly associated with the other gender. So the, regardless the of how you, I, that's how it's stated. There are only two genders according to LAUSD. Well, they're trying. They're trying. I'm not saying they did it right. They are trying I'm to be gender neutral. They're trying to be inclusive. Yeah. I respect that. Uh, me too. Me Not too. a lot of places are, are doing those things. Sure, sure. But um, basically their only requirements were that the students should show proper attention to personal cleanliness, health, neatness, safety. Um, it should be suitable. Uh, it shouldn't be a distraction or a disturbance. It needs to not be a hazard to them, to themselves or others. And it cre- can't create a health hazard. Mm-hmm. And I want to know what happened where they had to blanket statement, create a health hazard. Yeah, I can imagine. Because they only write those things when it is one. (laughs) Well, so I struggle with that because I can imagine some socioeconomic situations that might translate to a school interpreting something as a health hazard. No, bed bugs, something like that, lice. Yeah. Those could be health hazards. Like these kids come to school from a really complicated family background and they present themselves as what the school district might interpret as a health hazard and they send them home. It's but bed bugs are a health hazard, let's be very clear. No, no, no. I'm not disagreeing with that, but it is a really sticky situation because I it's it's not as if that child made a choice to wear clothes that caused a health hazard. And dress codes are usually for you know, sort of the student population to keep in mind how to make a helpful learning environment. So I think that's that's a case where yeah. it can be a little tricky and ambiguous. Um, well, we can come so, back to that. Yeah, but yeah. the last part about uh, California or LAUSD was that um, they do allow for each individual school to decide if they want to enforce a uniform. And uh, they can just create their own policies that way. But I liked that parents must be advised of their right to opt out of the school's uniform policy and students whose parents choose not to participate participate in the program may not be disciplined, discriminated against, or otherwise denied rights and privileges available to other students. Interesting. So uniform, it, the uniform policy is voluntary? 
Always. It seems to be. Okay. That's something that LAUSD has a sort of established. Mm-hmm. I was unable to find anything otherwise that said that it can be. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing I found was a middle school, Ernest Lawrence Middle School, was part of LAUSD. They have a dress code that's actually kind of spelled out here specifically. Things that they were really specific about, pocket chains are not allowed. Yeah, I think I Platform, open-toed shoes, sandals, mm-hmm. slippers, no. High heels, no. no. Oh, heels. That's my favorite thing. Well, they're not good for you. No, no. They're bad for your posture. As I sit hunched over. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing. Okay, so like standard, like graffiti and appropriate language symbols not permitted. But this one. Shorts may not be worn in conjunction with high socks. (laughs) Truth. That is a fashion truth. It's a it's a style. Do not right wear now. dad socks with shorts. Just don't. So maybe they're talking like knee socks. I don't know what they're talking Soft about. Socks. But whatever they're talking about, if it's um, high socks and shorts, they should not go together. So I agree. Other fully. things, pajamas not permitted, obviously. And then my favorite, personally, mm-hmm. is that blankets are not allowed at schools because blankets creep me out so much as a teacher that I don't let them in my room. Oh, why is that? I don't like them. You don't know what's in them. So they're also, okay, think of it. possibly obscuring something. Is that the Well, problem? no, no, no. I just mean how clean is the blanket? Where has it been? Oh, dear. But also, you have to think about you're in a room with maybe 24 other people, and maybe you have a cat at home, and your cat sleeps on your blanket, and then you bring it into a room with a kid who might be super allergic to cats. I am super allergic to cats. Sure. So, I so like, imagine the person next to you in class cuddling up with a blanket but, okay. covered in cat fur. But you also have to imagine... The person next to him class being me, who was quite literally always shivering in high Blankets school. are not safe or healthy. But couldn't couldn't a hoodie be equally as disgusting? It as could, my, but I think. it doesn't take up as much space. Oh, okay. The hoodie is still gross, but it can less be volumetric. Well, sure. Okay. <laughs> okay. I don't know why you're laughing at that. I can have hoodies, out. but not blankets. I don't Roger want check. blankets in my room. Okay. 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 My other thing is, is that I don't want you to feel like you can just like wrap up on your snuggie and chill. But, but sometimes that's the only way to keep from being absolutely miserable and your teeth chattering and. Then you wear layers. Well, I wore You're layers barking up the wrong tree. No, no, no. I, you're telling me that your hey. teachers would have been like, you know what? It's okay. No, no, no. Wear your snuggie to class. I, I did not ever wear a snuggie to class, but I did sometimes wear when I had to, a winter coat in classes. We're not allowed to wear winter coats either. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, that's a problem for me because I I understand some of the hazards of wearing winter coats because you never know what's under there. You never know. Yeah, yeah, a safety issue. But also, I was just so cold. I'm sorry. I have to wear my winter coat. Okay. All right, so anyway, let's hear some more about some more local school districts and dress codes. What you found out about those. In comparison to some of the bigger ones? I chose Columbus City because it's the largest in the state of Ohio. Um, It's also one I'm sort of familiar with just by proximity. So to compare them to like LAUSD or New York Public, they serve right around 50,000 students. And that's the largest in Ohio. So a teensy tiny percentage. Comparatively. Yeah. They only have 110 public schools. I say only like it's not plenty. Okay. Um, And so... I chose two schools in Ohio, or in Columbus Public, rather, 
that sort of represent two different experiences geographically. So the first is Columbus Scioto 612, which is on the south side of the city. And then the other one is Eastmore Academy, which is on the uh, east side of the city. The other one is what? Eastmore Academy. Okay. Um, so, for example, Columbus Scioto uh, has written out, um, and this is from the Columbus Public Schools website, um, just things like they must be fully dressed at all times. Uh, when a student <laughs> oh. like shorts and skirts must be an appropriate length, and just they consider it. Yeah, I like that. I'm sorry. They have to start somewhere. Uh-huh. Shorts and skirts are the appropriate length. So their rule is that when a student stands with their arms down at their side, the length of their skirt. Oh, I wish it was a skirt. Skirt, a, a skirt, or shorts or skirt, a skirt or skirt is longer than outstretched fingertips. Okay, which that's is what my high school was. My high school yes, now, my high school was the same way. Um, they can't wear tights, leggings, halter tops, tube tops, tank tops, sleeveless shirts, spaghetti straps. Okay, you can oh, figure right. that out. Why is this? Because shoulders are inherently evil. <laughs> is that the rule? <laughs> They're distracting. Shoulders they are say. the devil's work. Um, proper footwear. They don't like flip-flops, but hats. What is wrong with flip-flops? These are standards exactly. thing. No coats, vests, jackets, hoodies, windbreakers. Oh, no. What? No hoodies? What it says. That's upsetting. I'd be freezing. It's a safety thing. I mean, other things for them, uh, they don't do bandanas or anything gang-affiliated, so it flat-out says no solid color, red or blue things, um, and no t-shirts or sweatshirts with inappropriate lettering, pictures, curse words. So pretty standard fare. And I mean, my students are allowed to wear sweatshirts. Uh, but at somewhere like this, I'm not positive, but I know that there are some uh, Columbus public schools you have to walk through metal detectors to get into. Mm-hmm. So that's probably part of that enforcement. So that compares to Eastmore, which is on the east side. And um, they actually have a very strict uniform. So it's it's pretty standard as far as uniform goes. Uh, for the guys, uh, they can wear black, navy, or khaki. Um, women, same thing. Uh Skirts, knee length, shorts, knee length, pants, same colors. So this school district categorizes by, I'm looking at it, it says gentlemen and And young young ladies. ladies. So we have a gendered dress code. So they got rid of their top hats already. They they have shed their top hats. They have admitted women Mm -hmm. to the school. Um, Both uh, men and women can wear polos with collars or oxford buttons down button downs um and their shoes it can be gym shoes it's a slash loafers but they must be close to okay overlays this is where you would care deeply okay, I, please tell me they can wear overlays. solid sweaters in cooler weather and a solid jacket in cooler weather but it still has to be black navy or white and then they do have spirit days on fridays and so they can wear their school's uh, team shirt. And then it lists like their teams that you could be supporting. But you still have to wear the same bottoms. So you can't wear jeans. And then it says specifically things not allowed. Any type or color of hoodie, skinny pants, leggings, form-fitting pants, yoga pants, jeans, hats, quote unquote, do-rags, bandanas, or bonnets. Which I want to see do the kid who showed bonnets. up. In a bonnet, because I like them. I'm assuming it's a girl, to, but I don't care. No, I want the kid in the do-rag to date the kid in the bonnet. That's what I really want. Yeah. The standards pr- seem to be pretty universal as far as expectations of what is appropriate mm-hmm. and not appropriate for mm-hmm. schools. Um, 
But I was interested to see what a large school district or, you know, like LAUSD would do as compared to Columbus Public. And it really seems it's on a school by school basis. Right. right. These standards, though, over time have presented some problems and some weird cases. <laughs> a, a lot of the problems seems to be when standards are not evenly enforced or when they are made up on the spot. So you're talking about not wearing shorts with high socks, which I think is great. I don't know if it's a safety thing. I, I don't, don't know what it could be. I really don't know what that is. That's a there was no follow-up. That's a dress code thing that seems to me to be completely arbitrary. Like, what is that doing to inhibit a learning environment, honestly? I, I'm going to err on the side of it's probably a safety thing. I'm just trying to imagine the scenario where that would be the case. Okay. Uh, no wearing of high heels, which <laughs> we as women might endorse, but... Me as a rational being, I'm not entirely sure why that's not. I'm just trying to imagine getting in a class in four minutes in high heels. Mm-hmm. That could be a real. That's not fun. That's you a might workout. break something. That's you might workout. break multiple something. <laughs> I'm not so working that no hard to gang go to clothing, history like, class. No gang clothing makes a lot of sense. Um, but we have this sort of weird history of unevenly or complicatedly enforced dress codes. There's this really interesting um, Supreme Court case. Um, Tinker versus Des Moines. It's a, it's this ruling from 1969 that was about essentially students' right to free speech in public schools. Um, it's about this this family uh, of kids, the Tinkers, um, like some brothers and some sisters, and one of their friends. Um, they they wore black armbands to school to protest the Vietnam War. Um, this was in December of 1965. And be- before they got there, the school board heard that this little protest was going to happen and passed a preemptive ban <laughs> on black armbands or armbands of any kind. Um, so these kids were asked to remove their armbands when they got to school. And if they didn't, they were going to be suspended. Mm. So, of course, mm, these kids stood up for their right to protest these kinds of things the aclu stepped in and they eventually um won in a 7-2 ruling that um students do not quote shed their constitutional rights to freedom of speech or expression at the schoolhouse gate good for the aclu Um, and so those kids feb 24 1969 the court ruling um Oh, geez, it took four years. Yeah, it took a really long time these things take a long time sometimes so so basically the first amendment applies to public schools and school officials cannot censor student speech unless it disrupts the educational experience. That's the really key thing here. There are a couple of later rulings that have something to do with student expression in schools. There's one called Bethel School District versus Frazier. Um, That's about a kid who gave a speech in support of, I think, a friend who was running for class office um and the kid used a lot of sexual entendres in his support speech he never actually outright swore or said anything uh, he was being a teenage boy he he was being a teenage boy he was being very funny and and clever about it but um he got in a lot of trouble and there was a there was a court case over that one and that kid actually lost that court case and the the court upheld his suspension and they kind of narrowed some student freedoms of expression on that in that case and then there was another one called hazelwood school district versus Coolmeyer. i don't know if i'm saying that sure. right but so that one was limiting um 
public school curricular student newspapers that have not been established as forms for student expression. Oof. Yeah, you might have some experience with that one. They're subject, apparently, to a lower level of First Amendment protection mm-hmm. than independent student <laughs> expression or newspapers established by policy or practice as forms <clears throat> for student expression. So so both Hazelwood and Bethel, these cases limit the student kind of rights to First Amendment expression that were set out in the in that first case, the Tinker versus Des Moines. So those three cases kind of have a lot to do with how things shake out in public school freedom of expression cases, which dress codes often have a lot to do um, with. So um, we've talked a lot about uniforms on and off throughout this episode because they're often seen as a kind of solution to problems and possibilities with dress codes. Um, Uniforms to me seem to be unnecessarily restrictive, but you have mentioned that you you don't mind the concept of school uniforms. No, I don't. I hate it. You... You hate what? I don't hate the idea of them. I have to, every day, look at my homeroom kids and use my judgment to decide if what they're wearing fits within the parameter of what the school expects from them or not. It's subjective. It's difficult. And it's something I don't enjoy doing mm-hmm. at and all. And you can get in trouble if you do not enforce So we can come back on us right? to be like, oh, well, where were they first period? And why didn't you catch that they were wearing whatever? Um, my thing as a teacher is it takes so much time to enforce because it's so debatable. Like ours is like, you can wear a cold shoulder shirt, but you have to have has to be three fingertips wide before it exposes the shoulder and then has to connect to a full sleeve. If they're wearing leggings or yoga pants or something like that, the shirt that they're wearing has to come down to the length of their fingertips. So all the examples you just mentioned are, to me, incredibly sexist and misogynistic. And that's one problem that I have with... I don't disagree with that. With the dress code and the solution being, it's it seems as the uniforms. I I don't I don't disagree with you that the problem of enforcement falling to teachers is a problem that could be solved by a uniform policy. But but in my mind, I don't think the I don't think the solution to we have a problem enforcing uniformly enforcing a dress code. I don't think the solution is limit everybody's expression. It's more as limit nobody's expression. I get that. So that's the kind of side that I come from. But we've also talked about, uh, you and I have talked about in the past, dress codes as a sort of leveling of the playing field. I think a lot of people go that route with it by saying... If they're all wearing the same thing, you can't tell yes, who's our, from where. Our friend William Jefferson Clinton was talking about that. The, the, the school uniform is a great equalizer. Leveler of sure. the playing field. And I don't disagree with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, my district that I currently work in is pretty generally affluent. Mm-hmm. Um, but that also means that the lows are low and the highs are high. And there's a lot of, don't get me, there's a lot of, I would say, mid to upper middle class. Um, so I see a lot of brand new Jordans and things like that, whatever's popular. And you also see the kids who have been in the same things for years mm-hmm. and who maybe don't mm-hmm. fit into them but are still wearing them. 
So I think for those kids, maybe they would probably feel uh, more likely to fit in if they look like them. Yeah. Because that would be one less thing they had to worry about in the day to day. Yeah. What surprised me about you talking about that, and I'm actually going to be interested to hear from our listeners what they what they say about this, is that when I was in, you know, high school, which is not that many years ago, about what, what year is it? About a, a little over a decade ago. I was in high school. <laughs> I wouldn't, I don't, I don't recall. Are you trying not to turn 30 this I'm year? I'm trying not to turn any age ever. <laughs> I don't recall students actively discussing their clothing as social or status symbols. Um, you know, there were certainly cases of people getting things that just looked cool to some people sure. and people coveting them. But what I don't remember is a kind of caste system based on I don't, clothing purchases. I don't want to say it's a caste system because that seems like... Well, that's extreme, obviously. But yeah. I, I don't recall a sort of general buzz about yeah, well, brands. I, mean, I think we've become more branded. We are. We're more brand-oriented. Things like Nike and Jordan have really pushed those. And I, and I see it mostly in terms of like... Shoes, I think, more than anything. But I'm also like, I want to be. You are an aficionado. Well, I, I want to be a sneakerhead, but mm-hmm. as a teacher, I can't afford to be a sneakerhead, sure, so I sure. can identify them, but I well, can't let's afford fix them. Public education teacher compensation, guys. Let's fix that. Okay. Anyway, back but to you. I just think, I mean, and they would still be able to wear the shoes if they wanted to. Like all of the the school uniforms that I read we're still allowing sneakers or tennis shoes. Mm-hmm. So it's not like those kids wouldn't still have those shoes. But I mean, I've got, I've got kids who wear Gucci. I've got kids who wear all kinds of things. Um, you know, like the brands right now are like Birkenstocks and North Face <laughs> and Patagonia. Aye. And they're all things I love too. So I'm just guilty. But so my side as a teacher, it's hard to enforce. Mm-hmm. It's oftentimes unfair Mm -hmm. and it takes up my time. Yeah. Um, And as a woman, we have some real variation in body type and sizes. And so what is appropriate for me and what is appropriate for you if we're in the exact same thing or likely not the same thing, if that makes sense. Like we could be wearing the same piece of clothing and it could be appropriate for you and not for me. You would go more in the direction of a great equalizer in the form of a uniform. Is that fair to well, say? Well, I, I only say that because I was a kid who in high school only wore jeans and t-shirts and sweatshirts. I was not someone of like identifying strongly with how I was dressing. Mm-hmm. I was more fortified by like what I was doing. So that wasn't where I put my emphasis, but that doesn't mean that kids can't or that they shouldn't. Right. It's just not what I did. Well, I, I, do, so I, I would have had no problem being like, here are these shirts or whatever. Like, I think I probably yeah. could have made that work because again, I'm a simple person. I, if you told me right now, like I said, give me five shirts and I'll wear them. No, I, I too in high school wore jeans and t-shirts and sweatshirts almost exclusively, but I ended up coming out on the side of this, of, of thinking that, I don't particularly care what clothing has to do with anything. I I grew up in the high school, in my high school, in an era of really weird, unevenly enforced dress code policies and sort of a lot of obviously sexist policies. Um, 
that may still linger there. Who knows? And again, I was pretty modest. I was never pushing the boundaries really of (laughs) decency or whatever they were trying to, you know, whatever they were trying to arrest with these policies. I was never particularly pushing the boundaries of those in high school, but I still felt at the same time that they were kind of unduly burdening students with concerns about essentially pointless material things. I felt as though they were actually creating a fixation on clothing um, where there didn't necessarily otherwise need to be one. Um, yeah, I don't disagree. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying on my end now, it's so much different because I'm the one having to enforce it. Mm-hmm. And it's hard because kids will be like, oh, well, so-and-so wore this and you didn't say anything to them. Or you're only doing this because I'm fat. Or you must have a crush on me because you said this or oh that's very uncomfortable it's just like it's so sticky mm-hmm. and so for like female teachers it's hard to tell the male like students what they you know if they're wearing something they shouldn't be for male teachers it's really hard like if it's a cleavage thing or something like that so like you're constantly playing the game of like how do i say this what do i say it's mm-hmm. so much work no but that's the thing is like it's so, so hard to get so, so you have all this work right. and i agree with you that like you as a teacher it shouldn't be incumbent upon you to make these kinds of decisions but i think that in my mind it needs to happen at an administrative level and it needs to go either one of two ways it needs to go uniforms or a very lax dress code because mm-hmm. anything in between is completely subjective and it puts teachers in a difficult situation of trying to enforce an ambiguous dress code. Ambiguity is not fun in dress codes, as you've mentioned. And so I, I think you either have to go full on uniform or incredibly lenient well, I think dress code policy. The things that aren't always considered when a school is writing a dress code or trying to perfect it, which you can't, is that... So, like, leggings, that's, like, the go-to. That's, like, everyone's problem. Like, leggings are pants, blah, 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 blah. They're affordable. Mm-hmm. Leggings are very affordable for people. That's the thing that I always try to go back to is, like, maybe my kids are dressed like this because they can't afford anything else. And mm-hmm. this is what mom or dad or grandma or whoever is raising them could afford to dress mm-hmm. them in. And maybe something happened at home and they couldn't get their laundry done. So that's Like, what, there are just yeah. so many bigger things for me than that. That that's why sometimes I think that a, a dress code or I'm sorry, uniforms might air on the side of that. But I don't want that for my students because I want them to wear their funny t-shirts. So, so why yeah, that's what I was gonna ask you. Why do you want to go in the uniform direction as opposed to a completely lax dress code kind of direction? I mean, I think companies that create the clothes that are mostly used for uniforms have found a way to make them moderately affordable. Hmm. Um, I mean, you can find dress clothes for school uniforms at Walmart even these days. But you even just said you want your kids to wear their fun t-shirts. Oh, I do. And I'm not, again. So why are you, why would you be in the, the uniform camp as opposed to just the, the like. On my end? Very, we have a non-restricted. Enforcement. Dress. No, no, no. But a dress code that has very few rules that you have to enforce. Oh, I'm fine with that. But I don't think that's the way the schools are going. Many schools are no, not heading that way sure. on the scale. I'm really just asking you know, in an ideal world, mm. would you go for a uniform or would Mm-mm. you go for basically a non-existent dress code? I would go for a realistic dress code that would be less Very ambiguous. Minimal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not ambiguous and minimal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
and maybe just for all genders. And gender neutral, yeah. unambiguous dress code. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of problems come from, from gendered dress codes. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Like, in most people's jobs, they have a dress code, right? So many people are expected to dress a certain way to do the job that they're hired to do. And in a lot of ways, I view students as they're being employed. This is mm-hmm. their job. High school mm-hmm. is their job right mm-hmm. now. This is what they're legally required to do. So I don't think there's anything wrong with expecting a few things out of them as far as what's appropriate. Sure. Because very likely they're going to have to adhere to some sort of dress code, at least reasonably. Mm-hmm. So I don't have a problem with them kind of learning. Like these are things that are and are not appropriate for public and for home. You know, sure. I think there's something to be learned from those things. But I don't know that it's needs to be at the level of which some schools have gone into detail mm-hmm. to say this is exactly, you know, that's where I am. Right. I want them comfortable. Yeah, I want them to be themselves, even if who they are is problematic. All right, let's go ahead and wrap up. Um, We're going to go with... Tell me what you learned this week. Yeah, we're going to talk about what we learned this week. I... Hi. You have a lot of talking for this one. No, I think you should go for us, actually. Mine is the most ridiculous thing. Mm -hmm. Twitter today, Twitter recently was going on this was trending that they had gone to the side of the titanic for the first time and i think like 14 or 15 years some divers yeah yes. they had recently just returned to mm-hmm. check on things <laughs> i'm just sure say and they were surprised the aquatic life <laughs> they were surprised that this shipwreck that's almost three miles deep had eroded even further uh-huh <laughs> I read that and I was there like, "There's erosion at this did, of the wait, Titanic." Was I the only one who knew this was happening? Yeah, no, I thought I had an edge for a moment. I, I read this story I mean, too. I, I love the video of it. I Let watched, me be very clear. I love to see the videos no. of them going back there. I think it's so cool. It's one of my favorite movies. Well, okay. Kate Winslet and Leonardo DiCaprio can dance in that scene, and I will cry. I'm uh, gonna tear up right now. It's probably my favorite scene in any don't movie. Tear up. It's okay, but. It was like big news and like the Amazon is on fire. But today we're all worked up that like the Titanic shipwreck is mm-hmm. deteriorating mm-hmm. as we speak. Yeah. In the video I saw featuring this, the guy was talking about how the uh, the captain's quarters and the captain's bathtub. The sure. whole side of the ship had kind of deteriorated. Oh, the hull, right? Is that what itself. it was? Yeah, yeah. So you can basically see, I think you can see the captain's bathtub from the outside of the ship now, which should not be possible. <laughs> Normal. I think I'm upset. But I'm just like, what? Exactly so I don't think I learned it, anything. What exactly is it that but we But it seems that Twitter did. Uh, yeah, Twitter <laughs> seemed to learn that things under the ocean that are three miles deep will deteriorate over time. And it's been there since, what, 1914? Mm-hmm. I mean, a hundred and some years. It's been so a while. I, I wasn't surprised. Yeah. But what is concerning to me <laughs> is that people seem to be upset that a man-made object is deteriorating three, three miles under the ocean's surface. <laughs> I don't know. After a hundred years. I just read it and I was like, did I not tell everyone? Like, was I the only one who knew this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it was one of those things that I read that I was like, really, Twitter, mm-hmm. you can't mm-hmm. do any better today. I think it was mostly just their way of getting it in the news. Sure. Because otherwise them just going back down might not have caught everyone's attention, which it would have caught mine regardless. Uh-huh. But I think they were just like, you know what? The people won't expect it to be falling apart. 
Yeah. Update. It's still it's falling really apart. apart. Reader. Uh-huh. Okay, what'd you learn? I learned something really weird. <laughs> I don't know how I feel. So, there's this very controversial woman named Marianne Williamson, who is running for president in the tw- for the 2020 election. Um, she's, a, she's running for the Democratic nomination. And a lot of people think that she is just very strange and weird. Um, I personally don't have a lot of familiarity with her, but I, I fell down a, a, again, a Twitter, a Twitter rabbit hole here, which was, um, having to do with the fact that she wants to set up a department of peace if she is elected. So, so, so we have a lot of, we, we have a department of I defense. I don't think I disagree currently. No, so that's the problem with her is that she says a lot of stuff that people accuse her like people accuse her of being just not so because of the things that she wants um but i've also read some pretty informed and interesting articles from from people that i find to be generally interesting and trustworthy that that accuse her of being not so much crazy as simply like religious and committed to mm-hmm. her values um She's not a kind of person that I would vote for, but she's she's got a lot of interesting ideas. So yeah, anyway, just it was mostly just about this this kind of memeified idea of the Department of Peace that that there's actually a Democrat. Can we just think about it though? Presidential candidate who wants to spend as much time and effort and possibly money thinking about how to maintain peace in the world as she does about yeah, you know, she's like, we've got all these forces for war. Why aren't we thinking about peace? Why are we laughing at this? Is um, this the worst idea that so I'm not aware of? So people are laughing at this because she herself pre- has a presentation that is outwardly kind of off-putting um, to certain highly rational kinds of people. She she's very she's very religious. This is again, I I do not endorse her particularly because I think she is in fact very strange. But um, but this 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 idea is is not in itself. I don't think too terrible. It's not the worst thing I've ever heard. No, I think the United States could be less warmongery and more. Peace promoting. You mean less hateful? I think we could have dress codes that would allow students to protest the Vietnam War, for example. <laughs> uh, it's a circle all the way back. But um, yeah, yeah, no. So that's what I learned this week is that there's actually a candidate who is who she put a picture of the proposed seal of the Department of Peace. Was oh. it just a into the olive world branches? It's it's and very doves. it's very pink. That's it's, it, I think there are olive branches. I it think looks there's, like there's a, a bird. There's a that, pink bird in it. It kind of looks like the Battlestar thing. Battlestar Galactica, doesn't it? India. A little bit. You just made a really nerdy reference. It just have to get into that. Later, it vaguely resembles this. Can I say one more thing that I've just been thinking Please do. about? First of all, I know as a teacher that there are things that I can and can't wear to school. Mm-hmm. Like I have some T-shirts that have some pretty choice words. I'm not going to wear them in school. So I don't think it's wrong for kids to learn. Like I was saying that. There are time and place for these things. Uh-huh. My second thing is, is that one of our issues at my high school is dealing with students who choose to wear shirts with the Confederate flag on it. Oh, dear. And that's a sticky situation as we yeah. get into freedom of speech and things like that. So that's also one of the um, complicators as far as enforcing mm-hmm. a 
uh, school dress code that I err on the side of, okay, if we all wore polos, right. they wouldn't have a Confederate flag on it for us to deal with it in southeastern so Ohio. if I were a Supreme Court justice, I, would, I feel as though I would have a pretty clear precedent in Tinker versus Des Moines on this case. Sure. Because a Confederate flag does, in fact, create a disruptive education environment for anyone who is non-white. And also for other people who are white and not incredibly South-oriented. I don't know how to say this. Well, people who think the South's going to do but it But you're again. also talking about a state that was in the Union. Yeah, that's very confusing. So We're that's in Ohio. Another We're very far north I of the Mason-Dixon line. I do not, I do not understand why Confederate flag-wearing children are are populating this area. But, but all of that aside, I, I think that it would be pretty clear that that would create a hostile education environment for some sure. subset of the population. But that's when they start to claim like heritage and freedom of speech and things like that. Which, so that's one of the things that comes up as we get into. As we all know, is in fact nonsense. <laughs> <laughs>